Blog Talk Radio. Turn on the light. Save the world from darkness, yeah. Turn on the light. Won't you please, my friend, yeah. Welcome to the Turn on the Light broadcast with Pastor Stephen and Ann Butterfield. We are assistant pastors of Light of the World Christian Tabernacle International Church in Stockbridge, Georgia, with our awesome leaders, Bishop Ruth W. Smith and Pastor Supreme Austin. We are so glad that you have tuned in. We are going to show you a God that will bring you out. So call your neighbors and call your friends. Call Lottie Dottie and everybody. Tell them that the Turn on the Light broadcast is on the air. Tell them to dial 917-388-4161. And while you're getting your neighbors and your friends, here's a song just for you.
that be an awesome thing to be lost for words? We have so many things to be thankful for that we should be able to be lost for words. Good evening. My name is Pastor Fair. I'm sitting in for Pastor Stephen and Ann Butterfield as they are in Alabama tonight. Uh, I'm hoping you're having a blessed day and pleasant temperatures and uh, that God is just blessing you all around. If you have your Bibles tonight, uh, turn with me to the book of Hosea. We're going to take a look at uh, a symbolic family, as you were. Hosea chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. And uh, we're going to take a look at this family. And we ourselves are such a symbolic family. And we're going to get into that also. So uh, before we begin, let's just say, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the grace and mercy that you give to us every day. As the song that we heard, you're the only one that can give us joy. You're the only one that can give us peace. You're the only one that can give us the happiness that we so desire. You're the only one that can give us the drive to continue to serve you. And, Father, what an honor and a privilege it is to be your servant, that we can reach out and serve everyone around us, Father, as you would have us to do. We give you praise for this, Father, and we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. You know, we're in a time of year that we recognize as Thanksgiving, and we have so much to be thankful for. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle that we've got going on that we don't realize exactly how much we've got to be thankful for, how much we've got to give God the glory for in our lives. So as we look at this symbolic family, we're going to take a look at uh, Hosea and his wife and his children, uh, if we get that far. Uh, The Lord directed Hosea to give symbolic names to three children, which Gomer bore for him. Each of those names has an ominous significance. If you start looking at this in uh, chapter 4 through 5, Yahweh directed Hosea to call the name of his new son Jezreel. In a negative sense, this means God scatters. (laughs) Who, Who would want to name their son God scatters? But in a positive sense, it means God sows. In Hebrew, the name Jezreel sounds very much like the name Israel. The paranormalia is probably intended. Israel, the prince of God, would become Jezreel, scattered by God. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. You see, the name Jezreel had prophetic significance. It's very short, in a very short time, something ominous would happen. Yahweh would visit or punish the house of Jehu. Jehu was a military captain who slew King Jeroboam of Israel in 841 B.C. and founded a new dynasty. Jehu was followed on the throne of Israel by four descendants, Jehoahaz, Jehoash, Jeroboam II, and Zechariah. 
Jeroboam was the ruler of the throne when Hosea began his ministry. The last representative of this dynasty was assassinated in 752 B.C. The Jehu dynasty dynasty would be punished on account of the blood of Jezreel, the blood shed in Jezreel. This is not referring to the blood of Naboth, as we see in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 19, for his blood was not shed by the house of Jehu. The reference must be to the blood shed by Jehu when he massacred the house of Ahab. While it is true that Yahweh had commanded the elimination of the wicked house of Ahab, Jehu did not execute the command in the right spirit. The captain was motivated by personal ambition rather than religious zeal. That tells us right there that there's going to be trouble brewing. Anytime that we uh, do something that God has put his hand into, uh, by, for, we put personal ambition into it rather than religious zeal, we're, there's trouble brewing. The punishment for the blood shed by the house of Jehu in the village of Jezreel would be punished most severely. Yahweh declares that he would put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. The northern kingdom would come to an end. This prophecy was fulfilled in 722 B.C. The name Jezreel had yet another significance. In the day of Israel's judgment, Yahweh would shatter the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. The bow, principal weapon of war in Israel. And here it symbolizes the entire military force. The Jezreel Valley was the favorite battlefield of the region. Here, the Assyrians would crush the army of Israel. No information has come to light regarding the location of the decisive battle between the Assyrians and the Israelites. Look at verse 5. And it shall, shall come to pass on that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. The second child that uh, Hosea had was a daughter. Hosea's uh, had no significance attached to the sex of the child. Again, Yahweh directed him in naming of the baby. The names in this chapter do not reflect on the cleverness of the prophet. Lo Rahoma means that was the name of the daughter. It we see in verses 6 and 7. Let's look at that real quick. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, Call her name Lo Rahama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, will save them by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, and nor by horsemen. You see, in these verses, we see uh, that the daughter that he had, uh, her name actually means, uh, I'm, well, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself, in verse 6, Judah was exempt from the judgment which the northern kingdom would face. This is the first of several side glances toward Judah. Some of these Judah notes are favorable and some unfavorable. Judah would face the same Assyrian armies and destroyed, which destroyed Israel. In Judah's case, however, the Lord promised to save them in Yahweh their God. 
The deliverance would not be by sword, nor by bow, nor by war, horses, or horsemen. This is clearly a prediction of the deliverance of Judah from Sennacherib in 701 B.C. We, uh, 2 Kings chapter 19, Isaiah chapter 37. Now, Lorahama, her name means she has not obtained mercy. So we've got two children by Hosea. One is named God scatters or God sows, but the negative connotation of that is God scatters. His daughter is named she has not obtained mercy. Uh, who in their right mind would want to name their children something that means such as that? And this got me to thinking, okay, what are some of the names that we look at today? And I chose Stephen and Anne, of all things. Uh, Stephen means crown or garland. Anne means mercy. So God might have not have had our parents name us God sows or God scatters or has no mercy, but he named us things that are very, very important. We're going to get deeper into that as the further we go along. Look at verses 8 and 9. Lo-Ami is the next child of Hosea. And when she had weaned Lo-Rahama, she conceived and bare a son. Then said God, call his name Lo-Ami, for ye are not my people. And I will not be your God. How would that make you feel? Knowing that God told you to name your child something, and then he says, you are not my people, nor am I your God. That's a real scary thought, if that were to happen today. Eastern mothers nurse their babies, some, some of them two to three years. After Lorahama was weaned, Gomer bore her a third child, another son. No particular significance is assigned to the weaning, as we see in verse 8, which says, And when she had weaned Lorahama, she conceived and bare a son. Again, Yahweh, God, named a child. The name Loami means not my people. Can you imagine what must have been going through Hosea's mind and Gomer's mind, that God would have them name their three children. God scatters. She will have no mercy and not my people. That would make me fall on my face and say, God, what are you telling me? What are you saying to me? Why are these names so significant to you that you would have me name my children this? This name, Lo-Ami, signals the climax of Israel's doom. The Lord would no longer recognize Israel as his people. They would be as Gentiles to him. If they were no longer his people, then Yahweh declared, I am not your God. They would no longer have any claim on God. Look at verse 9. Then said God, call his name Lo-Ami. For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Wow. Now, there we, see, we go on further, and we see a reversal of names. Ten, uh, verse 10 
in uh, chapter 1 all the way through chapter 2, verse 1. Nevertheless, in the spirit of impending doom for the northern kingdom, Israel as a people would still achieve her purpose in God's program. The number of the children of Israel should be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured and can't be numbered. The promise of numerous uh, uh, numerous positionary made to Adam or Abraham, Isaac and Jacob would not fall and not fail even through the northern kingdom, even though the northern kingdom would be destroyed. The predictions of rapid multiplication of Israel in the Old Testament have messianic implications. The multiplication would do, be due to the influx of Gentiles in large numbers into the family of God through faith in Christ. Look at uh, verse 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in place where it, is, it was said unto them, you are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, you are the sons of a living God. So the roles reversed here. In the exile in a foreign land, <clears throat> in foreign lands, plural, it would be said to Israel, you are not my people. In this opinion, of, was this the opinion of their captors or of God or of themselves? In any case, the word there, T-H-E-R-E, there, in those lands of exile, in the future, it will be said to them, son of the living God. Those regarded as Gentiles would become God's people. Uh, look at uh, Romans chapter 25 and 26. As he saith also in O.C., I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not my beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. You see, this quotes, it quotes this verse in reference to the conversion of Gentiles through the gospel that we just looked at in verse 10. In those distant lands, God would gather both children of Judah and the children of Israel. The pre, the, the, and this presupposes that Judah would find herself in the same condition as Israel, cast off into captivity. Some former citizens of the northern kingdom may have joined Jews. When they returned from Babylon under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the true significance, however, it, it's much deeper. Those regarded as Gentile, uh, northern Israel, would be joined with the children of, the Jew, of Judah, the Jews. This prediction was fulfilled when Jew and Gentile were made one in Christ. We just looked at that in Romans 25, 26. Look at 1 Peter 2.10, which in time past were not my people, but are now the people of God, which are not uh, obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. A complete role reversal of the names that Hosea was told to name his children. Isn't, you know, that's uh, quite interesting. The unity between Jew and Gentile would be affected because both 
would recognize the same leader. They shall set for them our head. Their common allegiance to the head of the church would cause and erase the distinctions among them. Uh, in 3, verse 5, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. You see, later, Hosea would identify that leaders as David, uh, descendants of David, the reference must be to Christ, the greater son of David. The one head would lead his people up from the land. The language is taken from the, from the Exodus. The future leader would be the second Moses. Jesus Christ leads the people out of the bondage of sin to the promised land, or in other words, heaven. The day of victorious march out of bondage is called the day of Jezreel. The negative connotation is which this name was used. Look at the 4 and 5 again. It's now dropped. The Lord said unto him, call his name Jezreel. For yet a little while I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu and will cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. You see, it's dropped. God scattered the judgment, and now becomes God's sowing for growth. Woo! The allusion to, is to the pre, uh, previous verse and to the great growth of the people uh, in the God uh, of the Messianic age. Look at verse 11. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall the day of Jezreel. Great shall the day of Israel be. So Jezreel has now gone from having that name forced upon him, uh, as it were, uh, to God scatters, he's now being, it's being used. The unit concludes with a command. Say to your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhama, to whom this command is addressed, not to Hosea, for the verb is plural and so is the possessive your. Apparently the members of the Messiah's united people are encouraged to recognize their spirituality spiritual relationship to one another. Lo ami, not my people. It now becomes ami, my people. Complete and total role reversal. Mm. All who follow the future Davidic rule would recognize this unique relationship with God. Lo Rahama, she has not obtained compassion. Now becomes Rahama. She has obtained compassion. Two different things completely flipped because God had a plan, just like God's got a plan for us. All of those who follow Messiah know that they have been recipients of divine grace. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Say ye unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah. He says to say it to them. 
He wants them to speak to them. He wants them to know exactly who they are. You know, the world sees us as a lot of different people. I'm so glad, just like that, the words of that song at the beginning. I, I was thinking it was a different song when I chose that one, but I was so glad that one played because it, it ties right into this in so many ways. We... <laughs> We're lost for words about the one that gives us the joy of our salvation. We're lost for words of the one that can love us as much as he loves us in spite of ourselves. We're lost for words for the one who turns everything around for us. We're lost for words to the very one who takes a bad situation and makes it a good situation. We're lost for words to the very one that takes us out of the miry clay and points us towards heaven. We're lost for words for the very one that uh, chose us. You see, he gave us names that are beyond every other name. Hallelujah. The old song, there's a new name written in glory, and it's mine. Guess what? He's given you the name of a child of God. He's given you a name of the heir to the throne of grace. He's given you a name as the king's kid. He's given you a name such as is to be praised. We're lost for words. We not, we don't, we're not named Jezreel. We're not named Lohama. We're not named Loami. Ah, we're named something that is praiseworthy. We're named something that God gives us a reason to be lost for words. A child of the living God. That's our names in glory. That's our history. That's the names that God wants us to focus on. And we go on into Hosea, uh, into chapter 2. We look at uh, the extended metaphor, uh, the adulterous wife. Now, I told you, we're looking at a, a, a family here. We're looking at uh, at Hosea's family, which is by all means considered uh, a significant family. It's considered a symbolic family. So why in the world did God pick this family to be symbolic? Look at Hosea 2, verses 2 through 7. One of the major contentions of Hosea was that idolatry was equivalent to the spiritual harlotry in this whole thing. We see that throughout the second chapter of Hosea. Look at uh, uh, her, her shameless prolifery. Look at verse 2. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. For let, for let her therefore put away her whoredom out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Individual Israelites are urged by Yahweh to contend, to try. That's what God does to us. He, he, he tells us he wants us to contend, to try to keep his words, to try to keep his, his promises near and dear to our hearts. So we ourselves, like the Israelites, can, be, can reproach or upbraid or reband, reprimand their mother. Their mother land or the nation as a whole. Mm. You stop and you think about that. We're not just talking about 
the mother, the uh, biological mother. God was talking about the entire land here, your mother. The nation should be told that she had lost her status with the Lord. The Sinai marriage, uh, the covenant between Yahweh and Israel had been dissolved. She was no longer his wife, and he was no longer Israel's husband. We just see and saw that in 2, verse 2. Yahweh's marriage to Israel had been disclosed because the nation had committed whoredoms. The citizens who had remanded faithful, remained faithful to the Lord, should plead with their motherland to give up her adulterers, her idolatries. What would happen in our country right now if we took and our as Christians, we took it by force, as John the Baptist said, and we took to remove the adulteries. We took to remove the idolatries from this country. How? By prayer. The, yeah. To remove her whoredoms from her face may refer to the painted face of a prostitute. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 3. Therefore the showers have been withholden, and there hath faith no latter rain. And thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. We, this country right now is doing things that they were not being ashamed. The government is allowing this stuff to happen. The government is allowing these things to come in, and yet... When people say, let's turn back to God, uh, this nation has gotten so far away from God, did they even realize how to turn back? Would raise the question to mind. Look at Proverbs chapter 7, verse 13. So she caught him and kissed him, and with the impudent face said unto him, to remove adulteries from between her breasts may refer to a harlot's embrace of her lover. That's exactly what that means. Others think the allusion is to the ornaments which prostitutes sometimes wore on their exposed breasts. We just saw that also. In verses 3 and 4, we see her certain punishment. Verses 3 and 4, Let I, Lest I strip her naked and set her in the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they will be the children of whoredoms. We're still seeing, a, a, we're going to see a complete turnaround here, because God has given these children, just like he gave Jezreel, just like he gave Lo-Rahama, just like he gave Lo-Ami, names that had a negative connotation, but he turned them around to be the exact opposite of what they meant. Uh, Can you imagine if you take and find the biblical meaning for your name and then Focus on that, study on that, and see what the God what God has in store for you. He has got more names for you than you can ever imagine. Should the wayward wife, out of verses three and four, uh, fail to separate herself from her whoredoms? The, now we're talking the, the motherland. Yahweh threatened to strip her naked. Can we see, foresee the things that are happening here as a way of God? And when I say here, I mean in the United States, as a way of God letting us know 
He's going to strip this nation naked. He's done it once before, and people don't believe he's going to do it again. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at what's going on today. Uh, They don't think it's going to happen again. People are living and literally spitting in the face of Jesus on a daily basis. Some evidence suggests that women who broke marriage vows were first stripped naked before they were executed. Does this country have to reach that point when they, we break the vows with the very God that formed this country? Does this country have to be stripped naked before it's executed? You think about that. The Lord would set as Israel as in the day of her birth. In the beginning of her history, Israel was a homeless wanderer in the wilderness. The threat here is that Israel would return to that condition. Look at verse 3 again. Lest I strip her naked and set her in the day that she was born, and make her as wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. Folks, this is God talking about the motherland. This is God talking about her certain punishment. Israel would be stripped of property, prosperity, population, and privileges. Yahweh would set her as a wilderness, a dry land. He threatens to slay her with thirst. This figure means that all blessings would be withheld from Israel. The people as well as the land would be laid waste. The Lord would no longer show compassion on the sons of Israel. This threat was contained in the name of Hosea's daughter, Lo-Rahami, that we saw in verse 3, lest I strip her naked. We're talking the whole country here, folks. So the reason that God gave these names to these children was to show his grace, his mercy, as he flipped things around. You know, God's going to warn us only so many times before something happens. God is going to let us know that we are against his principles only so many times. I think that this country needs such an awakening, such an inhabitation of the spirit of God, that it would just be overwhelming. That's just my opinion. Just from what I see on a daily basis, when you look at the news, when you look at the things going on around you. But, you know, God is illustrating through Hosea and his obedience. He named his kids because God told him to these horrendous names. I don't know that I could name a child. She gets no mercy. I don't know that I could name a child. God scatters. I don't know that I can name a child, uh, Lo Ami, not my child, not my people. The reason for the absence of divine compassion is clearly stated. All of the citizens of the north were children of whoredom because they were part of an apostate nation 
No individual had laid grounds to think that they might escape the punishment, which would befall the nation. Verse 4, and I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. You know, if you wanted to put this into terms here in the United States, there are so many whoredoms, meaning sins, that uh, I can see this, I can understand this, that God is trying to get our attention through the book of Hosea. Look at verse 5 in chapter 2. For their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers. That gave me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. I won't get into that real long term because uh, it's a it's a political thing, and we want to stay focused on the the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But the, in verse five, it shows the disgusting behavior of the motherland. The citizens of Israel were children of whoredom because their mother had committed harlotry. Harlotry throughout Hosea is a metaphor for flirtation with foreign. Nations and their gods Oh you see Are we doing that right now Is the United States flirting with Foreign nations And their gods That's a little g The individual citizens Had been conceived by a mother Who lives shamefully The reference is The gross immorality of The Baal cult And promoted drunkenness and sexual Immorality the prolificate mother had declared, I will go after my lovers. In other words, the Baal gods. To these fertility gods, Israel attributed the provision of necessities and luxuries, bread, water, wool, flax, and oil. Now, we begin to look at, in verses 6 and 7, we begin to look at the future repentance of the motherland. Look at verse 6 and 7 in chapter 2. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up the way with thorns. I will make a wall that she, might, she will, shall not find her paths and shall be, so follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she, she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then it was better with me than now. Woo, we're going to, uh, I take that as, since we're talking about the motherland, I see that and I get excited in my spirit that the United States is going to return back to their original husband, God the Father. That's some powerful words coming out of the book of Hosea. Look at <clears throat> uh, the apostate nation would no longer be able to go to her lovers or the Baal gods. As a result, Israel would not find her past that we saw in 6 and 7. The various ways in which she was pursuing idolatry. The Assyrian oppression of Israel, the fall of the northern kingdom, and the exile are all here in view. In verse 6, we just read it. Therefore, I will hedge up thy way with thorns, and I will make a wall that she shall not find her paths. Woo! It starts getting a little serious here, doesn't it? The immediate reaction to the pressure of the Assyrian 
invasion would be to increase Israel's pursuit of idolatry. She will pursue her lovers. The Hebrew PL form points to eagerness of the pursuit. Israel, however, would not overtake them. It would not make contact with her gods. In her desperation, and her, by I'm saying her, that's the motherland, would seek the idols but would not find them. <clears throat> In that experience, Israel would learn that the idols could bring no help. We just saw that in verse 7. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. She shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than now. What an awakening to happen to the mother nation because of three children that were given to me hideous names, Jezreel and the meaning thereof, Lorahama and the meaning thereof, Loami and the meaning thereof. Failing to find her idols, Israel would determine to return to the first husband, in other words, God. Their sad and desperate experience awakened within them to desire to return to the faithful God of the covenant. For it was better for me then than now. They would acknowledge that all good things have come to them as a nation from God. Not Baal in the exile of Israel and cured of idolatry, the captives return to the Lord. I tell you what, that could be such a prayer for us right now because there's so many people in the United States right around us, in our own churches, in our own neighborhoods, in our own in our businesses, in our schools. There are so many people that fit this bill that need to return to the Lord. They're captives. They're captives in their sin, just as we're being shown here in the book of Hosea. There are so many captives in this nation, in this country, that need to return to the Lord. Those especially that are in leadership over this country. The best we can do is to fall on our knees and fall on our faces and pray for them, just like the Bible tells us to do, to pray for our leadership, pray for those in authority over us, that we would have, we would be able to see the change in them. We would be able to see the captives return to the Lord, just as we're talking here, regardless of the names that have been given. Because we know we have names that are far more desirable, far more precious, far more uh, sought after. To be saved, sanctified, redeemed. These are our names, folks. To be justified, glorified, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. These are our names. To be just a child of God. 
doesn't mean that we're just a child that needs to grow up and follow the ways of our Lord, although that's a very good place to start. It means that we need to have such a desire in our hearts that we want to do anything, everything we possibly can do to please our God, to help uh, to for those around us to see we need to return to God. We need to turn things upside down. Several weeks ago, months ago, I guess now at this point, I made mention of a Bible verse in the New Testament. I don't recall it right offhand, but it shows that God, Jesus himself, came to turn this world upside down. My question following that was, How come there are so many Christians that live upside-down lives? Folks, as we see and we think about that, we can see and feel every single day the need for the captives in this nation to return to God, to return to the Lord. Because when that happens, there's going to be a mighty rejoicing in God. There's going to be a mighty seed planted that all those around, the nations that we're dealing with now uh, that don't believe are going to see that we are a nation that serves God. So when someone asks you about your names, you might boldly and, and proudly say, well, it's not Jezreel, it's not Lorahama, it's not Loami. Uh, which all have negative connotations, but God turned those around. And see, that's two of my favorite words, but God. We see things going on around us, but God. But God. That's a powerful two words right there. So knowing this message from Hosea, I tell you what, is there anybody that has any questions or comments? Would you like prayer for something? Uh, Press one on your phone, and I will bring you live on the air, and we'll let you talk about this. We want to pray for the Butterfields as they are traveling. They would have uh, safe travels. Uh, We want to keep them in prayer. As I noticed, uh, Bishop-elect Stephen Butterfield is uh, obviously in position to be – I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's what I'm seeing. Uh, We're going to just keep them in prayer. And uh, if there's anyone that has a comment or question, please press 1 on your phone, and we will bring you live on the air. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to come on this broadcast every third Saturday of the month, and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the the entire time that I've known the Butterfields, they're such a precious couple. They are the assistant pastors of Light of the World International in Stockbridge, Georgia. And uh, they are just, uh, they are people that love God with all of their hearts, all their minds, and all their souls. And they are just precious. We think the world of them, and uh, I know definitely God smiles on them every time they turn around. So, well, if we have no more questions, uh, I was I could go on, but it would I would, time constraints wouldn't allow me. I'm going to close us out with a song. Lift every voice. 
I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving and a Merry Christmas. And let's, uh, we just, we'll close in prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you that we have the freedom to come before your throne of grace in all different manners, through our churches, through our telephones, through multimedia. We have so many ways, Father, to reach out to you. The names that we have that we can be so proud of, Father, let us so take those with us everywhere we go, that our light shines around this dark and dreary world. Father, for those that have this season, we ask your blessing on them. For those that have not in this season, Father, let someone there around them show them compassion. Show them that there is indeed a God on the throne that loves them and cares about them and desires to be their Lord. Father, we just can't even begin to consider all the things that we have to be thankful for. But we do indeed have so much to be thankful for, Father, this season of Thanksgiving. As we reflect on it, Lord God, bring things to our mind, to our hearts that we have to be thankful for. All of the things that we have, the blessings that we receive from you, Father, we have things that other people don't have that they desire. Help us, Father, to always reflect your love, your caring, your purpose for our lives and those around us. And all of these things, Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for, and we ask in Jesus' name. Folks, I hope you have a very good evening, and I again, a very happy Thanksgiving and a Merry Christmas. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.